Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. Continuing our series of interviews with politicians from Wales and beyond, in this podcast we travel to Gwent to speak to one of Newport's representatives in the Senedd. So we are here in Newport with a member of the Senedd, John Griffiths. Hello, John. Borodar to you. You've just done your 150th park run. Yeah. Uh, how did you get involved in the park running? Well, I've always been keen on keeping fit. Well, I say always. I think there was probably a barren patch in my uh, early 20s and late teens and so on. But for nearly all of my life, I've been very keen on keeping fit, very keen on sport. And, um, well, I suppose some half a dozen years ago now, I tried the park run here in Newport, and I must say it's addictive. You know, it's every Saturday morning at nine o'clock. You get a time on their website um, the same day, and you're very, you're very eager to go on the website and see how well you've done. You get competitive with yourself. It's competitive with yourself, yes, and I guess to some extent with others. Hi. Um, so, you know, it is addictive, and uh, I, I'd say I'm quite addicted to it. I look forward to a Saturday morning, look yeah. forward to getting my time. And um, it's socially, it's great. You know, you go for a coffee afterwards in the Riverfront Theatre here, and it's great to discuss running with other runners, you know, their training regimes, the runs they've got planned and so on. I really enjoy it. Uh, you did an event in the Senate recently, didn't you, highlighting uh, Park Run? How did that go? That went very well. We had um, ministers there, we had civil servants there, public health people, as well as park runners and people from the Park Run organisation. And Chris Davis is one of the leading lights um, in the Park Run organisation, and he's very keen on making the links between public health and the Park Run. So there are some 47 Park Runs in Wales now and around 24% of them are linked to GP practices. So GPs in those practices will socially prescribe. They will actually prescribe the park run to patients when, when it's appropriate. So, you know, we're really keen on trying to reinforce and strengthen those links between the health sector and the park run. You know, so, so many people say to me, um, why aren't we more preventative when it comes to health, you know? why are why is the health service so reactive? And, you know, I think we all understand the health service has to react to what's coming at it. Mm. And, you know, that is one hell of a task in itself. You know, the, um, the emergency services, accident emergency, elective surgery, all of that is a huge uh, undertaking and requires a huge effort. But if we don't get on the front foot a bit more, that pressure will be ever more relentless and remorseless. Yeah, so just to explain to people listening, the social prescribing, how would you describe social prescribing and what do you think the benefits are of that compared to sort of more traditional medical prescriptions? Yeah, well, I think the first thing really is that um, the body was designed, the human body was designed to move and a lot of people have very sedentary lifestyles and that can lead to health problems over the years. And if people are in that sort of situation, it's a medical response, you know, um, medicines, drugs, or some other medical treatment isn't necessarily the, the best option. Getting fitter and, you know, doing other things like being a bit careful about diet, certainly not smoking and, you know, being careful about drinking alcohol. I think all those healthy living messages are pretty well understood. But um, exercise is a big part of that. And if a GP thinks that his patient would really benefit from becoming a bit more active, 
prescribing the park run is a great way of getting them healthier, more active, fitter. And, you know, people are not going to necessarily be tearing along the route, you know, as soon as they start. You can walk, uh, although it's called a park run, you can walk it and people are encouraged to walk it. And then if they want to do something like the Couch to 5K programme, they can jog a little, walk a little and just build up to it. So, John, we're in Newport West at the moment, walking along the riverfront. We'll be in your constituency of Newport East in a minute. Uh, you've represented Newport since, well, in the Senate since 1999. Yeah. How has Newport changed in that time? Oh, I think it's changed tremendously in, in very many ways. I think, you know, where we're walking now on the riverfront, it's absolutely transformed. We've got new buildings like the Riverfront Theatre, the university um, building here for University of South Wales, all the new housing and apartments on, uh, on the other side of the river. So, you know, physically it's, um, it's transformed. There's a new shopping centre just across the way. Physically it's transformed, but I think it's transformed in many other ways as well. And one of those that's quite interesting for me in the Senate is I think Newport is a lot more recognisably Welsh now in its, um, in its culture, in its outlook. The City Council has recently launched quite an ambitious plan to strengthen Welsh language and Welsh culture in Newport. Of course, we've got a lot more Welsh medium education now, you know, at primary and secondary level. Um, and in English medium schools, there's a lot more Welsh language and Welsh history, Welsh culture. That would be strengthened by the new curriculum, of course. You know, when I went to school in, in Newport uh, quite a number of years ago now, I can't remember us being told um, anything very much at all about Welsh history, Welsh culture or the Welsh language. You know, we might have learned the Welsh National Anthem and, uh, you know, that would have been about it, really. Yeah. Well, Newport has such a prominent role in sort of Welsh history and Welsh political history. You know, as a, as a trustee of our Chartist heritage, I would be yes, remiss not to, not to, to mention Chartism. But obviously, Newport finds itself a little bit in between two larger cities, in between yes. Cardiff and and Bristol, how do yeah. you think it starts to define itself well, in, this 20, in the 21st century? Yeah, well, you know, as you say, the, the Chartist history, you know, is absolutely amazing. And um, I think we need to make sure everybody in Newport, and particularly the school children, are aware of that amazing history. And, you know, I was in the torchlight procession from Bellevue Park down to the Westgate Hotel where the Chartist uprising um, took place all those years ago. And, you know, so it is celebrated every year. Uh, and I think we need to make sure that we continue that and build on it. But, you know, um, there is so much that we can do, I think, in Newport to um, make sure that everybody understands, you know, the history, the culture, the heritage, and the fact that, you know, geographically, actually, we're in a really good position, mm. as you say, between Cardiff and Bristol. But rather than see that as a weakness, I think we should see it as a strength. Because, you know, that, if you join up that area and, you know, there's lots of things happening to try and do that, the Cardiff City Capital Region brings us in closer to the, um, the capital city. Um, the Seven Side um, initiatives with Bristol connects us more with that part of the, of the world. So there's a lot happening to try and see all of us together, Cardiff, Newport, Bristol as a whole, you know, for economic development, for transport issues, for energy generation. So it's a strength. And, you know, it, we're on the motorway, we're on the main rail line. Geographically, I think we're in a great position. You talk about transport, you talk about the motorway. Obviously, you were famously opposed to the M4 Relief Road back route. Why did you take that decision? Well, 
Because environmentally, I think, um, it has become increasingly clear that the so-called predict and provide model of predicting future traffic um, demand and then building roads to accommodate it was just untenable because basically we would have just concreted over everything because um, new roads induce fresh demand and new demand. So, you know, if you keep building new roads, you just have more and more traffic um, on those roads. And, uh, you know, to me, environmentally, that was totally unsustainable. Couldn't have made you particularly popular with some of your constituents, though. No, no, it was very controversial and still is. And, um, you know, obviously a lot of my colleagues in the Labour Party took a different view and, you know, I understood that. I think, you know, in political parties, you have to be mature and understand there will be different views. And, you know, people are entitled to their opinions. But I, I think it was the right decision, and I'm pleased that the Welsh Government, um, you know, took that view. But now we've got to make sure that those Gwent levels really are properly protected and um, enhanced, you know, for the future. Because, you know, there's a lot we can do to improve the environment on the Gwent levels. And, of course, the other big challenge is to forge ahead with the Burns Commission because, you know, having set that up to say, OK, the M4 relief road isn't going to happen, so what's the alternative? We had the report, we've got the delivery unit in place and, you know, now we've got to get on with it. We've got to get those new train stations built, the rail infrastructure in place, the active travel for cycling and walking um, further developed and, of course, the bus service. Because, you know, a lot of people who use public transport locally are on the buses and there's a lot that can be done to improve the services and the, and the bus network. So and, of course, road, you know, there will be road improvements as well. So, but on, on Burns, obviously, we've seen the Cardiff East Parkway station called yeah. in. Do you have any concerns that this is going to take a lot longer than people would, well, were hoping, but also could have expect? Yes, yeah, I do, yeah. I think, you know, particularly with rail, it, um, it takes quite some time to get rail infrastructure in place. And, you know, we're very disappointed at UK government's lack of investment in rail infrastructure in Wales, and that's a long-standing problem. So we need to see a sea change there because Wales has been grossly short-changed. But no, it, it will take time, and I do worry that, um, you know, people understandably are impatient because the congestion, um, you know, isn't as bad, actually, and, you know, there are pandemic factors there and people working more from home and so on, but it is still a big problem. And, you know, we, we do need to show that we're getting on with it. You talk about investment, let's talk about finances as well. Are you ever so slightly concerned that the state of the public finances means that there will be less investment? in necessary infrastructure like roads and rail? It's a worry. It has to be a worry at this time, you know. I think we've seen all those years of austerity since 2010. Um, we've seen Brexit, you know, which I think is very damaging to the economy and very damaging in other ways. The pandemic, we've got the war in Ukraine and soaring energy costs, although they've come down a little recently and the general cost of living crisis you know in the midst of all of that it's obviously very very difficult to find public money capital or revenue but what we what we do have is a very strong Welsh government commitment to take this work forward so um, you know the commitments there and I think the resource will be found but you know we, we do want to avoid any slippage in time. So whilst we're talking about the cost of living crisis that must have obviously been hitting some of your constituents here in Newport East. We're now in Newport East. We've crossed the river. We've crossed the river. <laughs> that must have been hitting some of your constituents really hard. Yes. What do you, what do you make of the levels of government's, government support for the cost of living crisis, whether that be UK or Welsh government? 
Yeah, well, you know, I think we always run up against this reality, don't we, of the UK government having the purse strings, control of the purse strings. And, you know, I know, um, you know, it, it gets controversial politically between Labour and the, um, the Tories, for example, but it's just a reality that, you know, that's where the financial levers largely lie. And, you know, if, unless we have a UK government that's willing to spend more money on our public services, you know, we're not going to be in the position we want to be in Wales in terms of quality of public services. So, you know, unsurprisingly, I think we really do need a UK Labour government as quickly as possible, and I look forward to that happening after the next general election. So we talk about uh, public services, and, and one of the things you've been most prominent talking out about recently is the sort of devolution of the administration of welfare. What sort of benefits would that bring, just more generally, but also to people in your constituency? Yeah, well... The Labour movement um, exists really to tackle inequality and social injustice. We want more equality of opportunity and we want, we want more equality of outcome. And, you know, again, the big levers there are the tax and benefit system. And again, largely that rests at the UK level. So I think anything we can do in Wales to have more control over those levers is, is very valuable if we're going to get that social justice agenda really pushing forward here. So the benefit system um, is largely not devolved, but there are things that can be done with more flexibility. So, you know, we hear from people um, issues such as waiting times before they get their benefits when, once they've made a claim, um, the loan system that sometimes covers the intervening period is not that useful for people because they have to make the repayments in, you know, in due course. Um, sometimes people would prefer to have the housing benefit element paid direct to the landlord because they worry about getting into arrears and you know, possibly being evicted. And sometimes it's appropriate to split payments between men and women living together in certain circumstances. Um, you know, so there are all sorts of flexibilities that are not there at the moment that we would like to see in place, or at least are not there at, to a sufficient extent at the moment. Um, sanctions, you know, that, that's another issue. I think um, we would take a different approach to sanctions um, and people would not so readily find themselves having their benefits reduced. You know, there, there's all sorts of ways that we could um, make the system, I think, more effective, efficient and better for people. But you know, the, one of the big issues I think is the underpinning principles. Because when the committee that I chaired at the time did some work on this, we heard that um, dignity, you know, is such an important aspect for people. And that's about the workforce that delivers the services and, you know, their attitude and, you know, the, where they're getting their instructions from and their training from and, um, you know, their approach from really. And we think if Welsh Government had more influence, we'd see a different culture and we'd see a lot more dignity embedded in the system. Why do you favour the devolution of the administration of welfare rather than the devolution of welfare all in? I think um, we need to seriously consider the complete devolution of benefits. And, um, you know, we, we did say that in our report that, you know, those issues should be explored. But it would be a massive step to, um, to take, um, you know, at this stage. So I think um, it makes sense to firstly devolve the administration and then at the same time do work on, um, on further devolution. But it would be perhaps too big a step all at once. Do you think 
the we've talked about the prospect of a Labour government at UK level next time round. Do you think that's something they would consider doing, or do you think they'll want to take the approach themselves to welfare all in? I think it's difficult to know, really, isn't it? Because, you know, I wouldn't pretend that we've always seen UK Labour governments embrace devolution to the extent that we would like. You know, it's an ongoing conversation, isn't it? Um, but, you know, it would be a damn sight better than what we have at the moment, yeah. that, that's for sure. So since you've been elected in, well, since you were elected in 1999, extra powers and this conversation about more confident wealth is just one of the ways in which devolution has changed. How would you describe that journey since you were elected? I think it's, um, for me, it's been very impressive. You know, as somebody who's very keen on devolution, and I always have been, I've just been so, in, you know, enthused really and encouraged by the extent of progress with devolution. I don't think there are many people, um, even though we initially spoke about devolution as a process, not an event famously, even though people understood that, I don't think that many people would have predicted that we'd have had as much further devolution as we've seen. Um, you know, since 1999. I mean, you know, we, we have a parliament for Wales. When I think of all the generations, you know, in this country, the campaign for a parliament for Wales, and now we have one, it's a massive step forward for our nation, I believe. And to have that, that extent of control over our own affairs is hugely empowering, confidence building. You know, the old question of when was Wales, you know, could easily have an answer of, well, since we've had devolution and developed devolution, you know. So obviously there's a very in-depth, ongoing discussion about the devolution of further powers, about constitutional reform in the UK. What has been your appraisal of the Constitutional Commission, the Gordon Brown Commission report, the last few months of that debate? Yeah, I think it's a very impressive piece of work and it, you know, it builds on work that we've had done over the period of devolution and indeed before. Um, and all of it is cumulative, I think. You know, it's a body of evidence, I think, that um, I think is very strong and convincing. And, you know, I very much hope that um, a future UK La Labour government will enact what, um, what's proposed. And, you know, I think with Gordon Brown's involvement and, you know, the weight and the credibility that he has, um, you know, that will be a persuading factor. Uh, well, John... Thank you. We've had a foot in both of Newport's constituencies today, but we're going to go and stop this bit of the interview and go and have a, cafe, a coffee in that cafe over that there. That would be absolutely great. Fab. We were having a little chat off camera there about Wales and Wales in the world. You're about to go to Africa to highlight some of the good that the Welsh Government's doing. Would you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'll be going to Umbale with Pont, an organisation of volunteers based in Pont and they've done some amazing work over the years, helping the health service, the educational service, and a variety of community um, development activities over there in Uganda. And I'm a huge fan of the Wales for Africa po programme that Welsh Government has, because the need is so great in sub-Saharan Africa, and I think to be doing something to help address that need, you know, as part of the relatively prosperous world, which Wales is, is just morally so um, important and worthwhile. But, you know, as anybody that gets involved in this work would know, it's reciprocal, as we say. You know, the benefit is obviously very much two-way. So it's sort of exchange visits for professionals, teachers and health service professionals. People from Uganda come in here and people from Wales go into Uganda. Um, lots of schools have got involved and, you know, there have been visits 
reciprocal visits there and lots of fundraising. So I think it does a huge amount of good, but it's also part of internationalising our country. And to me, the more that Wales is linked with the rest of the world, the better. You know, it's a big wide world out there and that big wide world needs to know that Wales exists. And, you know, Wales needs to be connected with it in all sorts of ways. And one aspect of that is um, the programme for Africa. So you talk about internationalising Wales. Obviously, Wales has just had a recent massive boost to our international reputation through the World mm. Cup. What, you sort of, what kind of impact do you think that has had on us as a nation? Oh, I think it's massive. You know, when you look at that worldwide television audience for the World Cup, it's huge. You know, and it was an incredible tournament, wasn't it? The final, I mean, you know, nobody could really have written a script for that. You know, it, it was incredible drama. Um, so I think the pluses are huge. And what I hear from those who were involved in um, the Wales presence over there is that it went much better than anybody could have reasonably expected. You know, the engagement that the various Welsh Government groupings had, the level of that engagement and the extent of it was, you know, was really more than um, anybody could have reasonably anticipated. So I think all of that is hugely positive. But, of course, we all know that there were big downsides to, um, you know, the building of the stadium, the human rights um, issues over there. I think we understand that, and um, I'm glad that Mark Drakeford and other Welsh Government ministers made our political stance on that quite clear. But nonetheless, you know, it, it, um, it was a huge tournament that um, it was great to have Wales there after all those years, of course, of waiting. And like many other Wales football fans, I've been um, loyally attending games over the decades, waiting, um, you know, for Wales to get to the major finals. And we've had, you know, all of a sudden, like the London buses, a few coming along all at once. So we've, had it, we've got a more confident footballing nation, but do you think we're a more confident and comfortable with ourselves political nation too? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think we definitely are. Um, I think devolution has been really good for strengthening that sense of Welshness in our country, you know. People understanding that we are capable of taking more control over our own affairs, of governing ourselves to a greater extent. I think that's hugely building of confidence and you know the pandemic was a was a key period wasn't it i think a lot of people um, you know a lot of people in newport as with some other border areas in wales tend to get their news their current affairs and media input from media based outside of our country and sometimes they're not as keyed into what's going on here as you know they ought to be really um, but during the pandemic people needed to know what was happening here in Wales in terms of the restrictions, what you could do, what you couldn't do, the vaccination programme and, and everything that went around it. So they were tuning in more to, um, to the Welsh media and um, I think a lot of them have stuck with that, you know, they, they, they are more aware now of um, what Welsh Government is doing, what's happening here um, in our country and more aware of devolution and you know they saw Mac Drakeford and Vaughan Gessen and others making those important announcements holding the press conferences and they understood that you know this was serious stuff and it was a Welsh government protecting the people of Wales and the health of people in Wales so I think you know that that was um, that was a bit of a game changer I think in terms of the connection and the interaction between the people of our country and our Welsh Government and Welsh Parliament.
talk a little bit there about self-governance. What have you made of the independence debate, the growing independence debate in mm. Wales over the last few years? I think it's healthy. I really do. I think, you know, it's part of being a grown-up nation that, um, you know, people want to have that debate. They want to explore the issues. They want to think about them. And in a serious way, you know, not in a tokenistic way, but really getting to grips with what it would mean, what it might mean, how Wales is changing under devolution. Um, and young people, particularly, I think, you know, are really engaged with that. I've been struck, you know, I go to Newport County games regularly and to hear the crowd singing Emma Ohid um, and, you know, lots of young people actually coming up to me and raising issues and asking me what I think about, you know, Yes for Wales and the debates and the issues has been really striking. I think it's healthy to have that debate and that discussion. Why would, you know, anybody fear, um, you know, exploring issues and um, having discussions? So I'm going to go back a little bit into the sort of centre of politics. Mark Drakeford has, has said he's going to stand down before the end of 2024. You've had the privilege of working under Alan Michael, Roger Morgan, Carwin Jones and Mark. How would you compare them all? Well, you know, inevitably they've all, they all had their own styles and um, their own strengths and weaknesses, as we all do as, yeah. as human beings. But I must say, I think, you know, all of them, you know, have played a significant part in devolution and taking devolution forward. You know, we now have a parliament for Wales. You know, it's, um, it's a huge thing for our country and something that so many generations campaigned so hard for, for so long. And, you know, as leaders, they've got their place in history, haven't they, as being part of that transformation, democratic transformation of our country. Um, and, you know, it's been a huge privilege for me to be there since the beginning, to be there in the front line of that development and that um, evolution. Um, and, you know, I would pay tribute to all of them. I, you know, they have their place in history and they deserve it. And yes, they've all had their own style, but they've all played a big role. So, you know, you've, you've obviously served in government yourself, but have you ever considered a run of the top job? Did you ever want to be leader? Well, I, you know, inevitably in politics, I think if you're there in the front line, you think about leadership and, you know, it's about, isn't it, power, but power for a purpose. And um, the higher you rise, as it were, in terms of the ministerial ranks, the more power you have in terms of influencing events, taking important decisions. So, you know, it is a very attractive prospect, but of course it comes with huge pressure that should never be underestimated. It's a huge job to do, isn't it? And a daunting prospect. But yeah, you know, I, I thought about it and um, I, I'm really pleased that um, I was a minister in Welsh Government over quite a long period of time. And, you know, I was able to make important decisions and to influence what happened in our country. And I hope, you know, I played a role in achieving some progress towards that more equal that fairer Wales that um, the Labour movement exists to try and help bring about. So the question of Mark standing down obviously brings with it the prospect of a leadership election. I'm not going to draw you on the likely runners and riders, but I'm just going to ask what kind of skills is the next leader going to have to have and what are the kind of challenges they're going to face? Yeah, well, you know, it, as I said, it's a huge job with huge pressures, isn't it? And um, those pressures never go away taking public services forward, improving public services, getting Wales into a better position economically, 
the challenges of climate change, you know, it's, uh, it's massive, isn't it? And, you know, taking forward that crucial agenda for the Labour movement, better equality of opportunity and equality of outcome, you know, there's still an awful lot of work to do there, you know. Wales is relatively disadvantaged compared to a lot of the UK, so there's a lot of work to do. But even within Wales, you know, even within Newport, I'm very conscious of the, the disparities, the inequality between one part of the city and another. You know, it's massive. I know it's the same in Cardiff. It's the same all over the country. So, you know, there's an awful lot of work to be done, a lot of partnerships with local government and the voluntary sector to be strengthened, a big, big job to do. And on top of all the necessary qualities to do that job, there are all the communication elements and, you know, being um, the front woman or man for the country politically. Um, so whoever does the job um, will have their work cut out, um, I think, it, you know, it, it's fair to say. But for me, in, um, in, in Labour terms, I think we've been quite successful politically since we've had devolution. Um, by being markedly pro-devolution and wanting to develop devolution. You know, you can't stand still, you have to drive it forward. We still need to do that. There's still a lot of further devolution that needs to take place. But at the same time, we need to be very strong in terms of that left of centre, progressive agenda around social justice. I think we've prospered politically by placing ourselves on what I would describe as the red-green territory and I think the new leader should be on that territory as well. We've, we've had such an interesting discussion John about the process of devolution um, but what do you think the next kind of big event will be in the history of devolution? Where do you see this the next steps of our journey being? I don't think there you know there would be one sort of big headline but there are obvious areas where we need further devolution a broadening and deepening of the powers that we have um, I think policing and criminal justice you know is a big example of that where I think we could have a much more progressive system in Wales and we could knit in those services with the existing devolved public services um, which would be a big benefit um, all round um, I think when we look at um, the economy, you know, we still need more of those levers that are really going to take um, our country forward. There's that huge challenge of the, you know, the green agenda, isn't it, and the economic transformation that would go around that. So we need more of the levers that would enable us to um, put that in place in Wales in the hands of Welsh Government. Um, there's so much more that we could do, and it's very frustrating, you know, being in Welsh Government when you, you haven't got those levers and you know what you could do if you did have them. So I think, you know, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that continuing broadening and deepening of devolution. But the quicker it happens, the better. I mean, there's some people that say, oh, these, ex these powers might be better exercised at a Westminster level, why don't you wait for the next Labour government? What would you say to those people? Well, I think, you know, the whole rationale of devolution is drawing power down closer to the people, isn't it? And as I said, I think Wales has shown since we've had devolution that we are capable of governing ourselves and of having that responsibility for our own affairs. And, you know, that's enriching and building of confidence in so many ways, which I think is thoroughly good for everybody in Wales. So the case, I think, is clear that um, I think when we were in the European Union, there was 
that talk about subsidiarity, wasn't it? That you pull power down to the lowest level where it can be effectively exercised. And to me, that has to be the right approach. And of course, it's not only about Welsh Government, it's very much about local government in Wales as well and making sure that they're properly empowered. It doesn't stop at the Welsh Parliament, it continues into our communities. John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming Thank on. you very much, Diolch Thank you for listening to Hiraith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.